Good morning. Glad you all could make it. Glad those on Facebook who are not able to be here on person uh, have the opportunity to join us through the different means that the eldership has put together here for us at church. And uh, look forward to speaking to you all, those here and those abroad as well. There are a few topics I really love and enjoy to teach on, to study on, and things of that nature. Because when you get up here and you do a sermon or you do a class, you'll learn more than anybody else in the audience because all the stuff and studying you do through it. And if you ask me what my free, uh, three favorite topics are, I think you'll find that love, peace, and the mind or our thought life are perhaps the top three that I enjoy doing the most. And that's because I find I probably struggle with these three topics more than any other topics in the Bible. And considering myself to be an ordinary average Joe, I figured, well, maybe probably some of y'all do have these same struggles. And so today I want to talk to you about the importance of your mind or importance of your thought life. The Bible warns us of the great importance of our thought life. Scriptures like uh, Proverbs 23 and 7. For as a man thinks in his heart, so he is or will become. Romans 8 and 5, For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. And Proverbs 4 and 23, which Jimmy read for us earlier, Keep and guard your mind with all vigilance and above all else that you guard, for out of it flow the springs of life. It would seem that according to God, that our uh, thought life is very important and for good reasons because our actions are a direct result of our thought life. Positive thoughts equals positive life. Negative thoughts equal negative life. And it's not just our carnal selves that we're at war with, that we're always fighting with, but Satan himself. He loves to attack us in our thought life. Ephesians six twelve says, For we are not wrestling with flesh and blood, contending with uh, only physical opponents, but against deputisms, against the powers, against the master spirits who are in this world rulers in this present darkness, against the spirit forces of wickedness in heavenly places. So the Bible tells us we're at war, and it's in heavenly places. Well, it's not talking about heaven. No one can go up there and oppose God to His face. The heavenly places is us. It's here in our hearts and our minds which are supposed to belong to God. In fact, the Bible tells us we are the dwelling place. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So that's these heavenly places it's talking about. And God does, warns us even more plainly in 2 Corinthians. He says, for the weapons of our warfare are not physical. You can't control them. You can't hold them in your hands. You can't put them on. But they are mighty before God. They are God-given, stronger than anything we could find here on this earth. And they are for the overthrowing and destruction of strongholds. That is, they have a very specific design and purpose. You wouldn't go out here and attack a swarm of bees with a baseball bat, would you? Now, you might get one or two, but they're going to tear that old head up. In the same way with a bear, you're not going to take on a bear with a floss water or a soldier take on a tank with a 9 millimeter. Now, that's ridiculous. But it's no more ridiculous than trying to take on Satan barehanded or with self-help books or things of that nature. No, there's a specific weapon that God has given us. And what's the plan? What's the purpose of this weapon? What is to refute? That is to prove wrong these ideas, these thoughts that Satan tries to put into our heads or that we put into our own heads. It's to prove that these arguments are wrong and to help us lead every thought captive. 
So to kind of sum up, Satan uses his wiles to attempt to set up strongholds in our minds. Now a stronghold is an enemy fortified position, a base of operations, a prison camp where he can hold us or at least part of us in bondage. And Paul here then tells us that God has given us the weapons we need to, to, to end this war, to win this war, to tear down these strongholds. And even goes about to tell us exactly where we can find these strongholds. He says in verse 5, for to refute arguments. That's these thoughts that pop in our head, the arguments that we have within ourselves. The devil loves to argue and offers all these theories and reasonings and fears for us to latch on to. And now all this activity goes on in our mind. So what might some of these strong towers look like? Uh, what were some examples of them be? Well, it could be an attitude that you uh, just can't seem to break free from, like bossiness or rude or in, uh, insubmissive to authority, lack of confidence in yourself, fear of failure, addictions, judgmental to others, control freak, worry work, uh, afraid of everything, and negative thinking. All these things can become strong towers. Now, these strong towers don't just pop up overnight or out of nowhere. Uh, you don't just wake up suddenly and find yourself to be a negative person. Now, it, it creeps up on you over time. If you look back, you'll find that somewhere down in your life, something has happened to help spring these strong towers up or help start them. Maybe it was a bad teacher or a bad parent who always rolled you and told you, you're never going to mount to nothing, you're clumsy. Why can't you be like your brother? Why can't you be like your sister? Why does everything you touch fall apart? And this could cause a couple different towers to pop up. Maybe you give in to it and say, okay, I can't. And so every time you try to do something, you're constantly shooting yourself in the foot. You're constantly afraid or to even try. Or it goes the other way. And you've got to prove them wrong. So you find yourself throughout your life, you're always competing with everybody in the room, whether they know it or not. You always got to prove that your idea is the best, that your way is the best, and that you're just as smart and just as good as them. Or perhaps it is someone made fun of you or picked on you when you was a kid about the way you looked or the way you did things. And so it causes you to have a poor uh, self-image of yourself. Or a parent ruling the house with iron fists and so you, you're in rebellion against that or whatever the case may be. And we could go on and on and on because there's no end to the devil's schemes. But as we saw earlier, God has given us the ultimate weapon to take on and defeat these strong towers these, uh, in their minds. Our weapons are first and foremost, our chief weapon is their sword, our sword, the Word of God. John 8, 31 and 32 said, So Jesus said to those Jews who had believed in Him, If you abide in Me, My Word, hold fast to My teachings and live accordance with them, you are truly My disciples. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Again, Mark 4, 24. And then he said to them, Be careful what you hear. That is what you allow yourself to take into your mind. The amount of thought and study you give to the truth that you hear will be the amount of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you and more besides will be given to you. How do we use the word as a weapon? Paul says that we're fighting a physical, not fighting a physical war, but a spiritual one. And so Paul tells us our weapons are not flesh and blood, but they're spiritual. Remember, we're fighting master spirits and even Satan himself. And even Jesus used this self-same weapon when he, in human form, battled Satan in the wilderness. Each time the devil come and attack Jesus, each time the devil tried to set up these strongholds in Jesus' mind. How did Jesus overcome it? By quoting the scriptures, by quoting the word of God. 
He said, it is written, and then quoted those scriptures to Satan. Well, what might that look like for us? Well, when Satan comes to attack your body image or that you, the way that you look at yourself, then you quote him scriptures like, God has made me and is making me perfect. God said, I am beautiful and wonderfully made. God said, he formed me in the womb. So all these things you fight back with. Remember what the scripture told us. For as he thinks in his heart, so he will uh, or is and from Proverbs 23, 7. This one scripture alone lets us know how very important it is that we think properly. Thoughts are powerful and according to God's word, they have a creative ability. If our thoughts are going to affect what we will become and what we will do, then it should certainly be a priority that we think right thoughts. Because I promise you it is 1,000% impossible to have a positive life if you have a negative mindset or a negative thought life. Negative thoughts might seem small and harmless and insignificant, but so does this glass of water. What would you think this glass of water weighs? Probably a half pound, a pound or something like that. I think every one of us here could pick it up. It's, it's no big deal. It's not harmless. Well, what about if you hold it for five minutes? Well, can you hold it for an hour? Well, about five hours. Well, about 12 hours. Well, it's not going to take this little glass of water long if you're going to sit there and hold on to it for it's going to start making your fingers go numb. It's going to start making your arms cramp. It's going to start doing damage, permanent damage, if you hold on to it long enough. Same way with negative thinking. If you hang on to this negative thought life, if you hang on to these wrong thoughts, it will gradually destroy you. Another example. Big, strong boulder. Just, you know, seems impenetrable, seems untouchable. Look what just a few drops of water each day has done to this boulder. It's the same thing with us. Negative thoughts and letting our minds wander may seem harmless, but they're not. They will eat you away, they will erode you and weaken you just like it has done to this rock. <clears throat> and even worse, the Bible tells us that wrong negative thinking can affect our salvation. <clears throat> Romans 8 and 5 says, For those who are according to the flesh and are controlled by its unholy desires and so set their minds, their thoughts, on and pursue those things which gratify the flesh. But those who are according to the Spirit and are controlled by the desires of the Spirit set their minds, their thoughts, on and seek the things which gratify the Holy Spirit. The King James puts it this way. If we mind the things of the flesh, then we're going to walk in things of the flesh. If we put our mind or thoughts on the things of the Spirit, then we will walk in the th uh, ways of the Spirit. If we think fleshly thoughts, negative thoughts, wrong thoughts, then we cannot walk with the Spirit, the Bible tells us. But while we are here on this earth, negative thinking will also cause and wreak havoc with our lives and our bodies. <clears throat> We've got to think about what we're thinking about. Lots of people's lives are upside down and in constant chaos because of years of negative, wrong thinking. Because they refuse to treat the matter of what they're thinking serious enough to get off their hind ends and address it right now or when these thoughts first pop into their mind. I know it's difficult, time consuming, and requires a lot of attention. If you actually stop and think about each thought that you're thinking, it takes a whole lot of effort. But we can't just let our minds go on cruise control and wander wherever it wants to. We have to examine each and every thought as the Bible says. <clears throat> now if you received a banking notice that you was overdrawn, would you wait a week or two before you went down to the bank and seen what was going on? No, you'd stop what you're doing, you'd pick up the phone, you'd call the bank. Well, this is much more important than that or anything else in our life as it affects us and or those around us in our afterlife. 
We need to get on the ball and we need to be taking this seriously. Our thought life controls every aspect of our lives. It controls our personality. A personality is made up of how you think, feel, and act. All those start with the way you think. The way you think controls how you feel. When we think certain thoughts, our brains cause certain circuits in our head to fire. And these produce reactions that can produce chemicals and stuff in our body. Things like adrenaline, dopamine, uh, serotonin, epinephrine, and many, many others. So when uh, we think, so how we think controls how we feel emotionally and how our bodies operate and it affects us physically. For example, if you think angry, angry thoughts, then that will cause your brain to produce adrenaline in your body, which will make your blood pressure go up, make your pulse quicken. It's kind of like wine in the spring and then just sitting back and sitting it up. So it don't take anything at all when you're thinking these angry thoughts for when something goes wrong before you just go off on them for no apparent reason that you don't know of, but just because your body, your brain is amping your body up. It's the same way when we think sad or worrisome thoughts. Our body produces, our brain produces chemicals to make sure our body is in line with our brain. Happy thoughts. When you think happy thoughts, if you notice, when you think a happy thought, you keep on thinking of what's going to happen. Well, you're going to start hum or maybe your toes tap or you'll sing or something. You're definitely going to smile. It's because your brain is producing these chemicals to get your body in line with what you're thinking. Makes sense. Well, your body then gets used to having these chemicals in it. It gets to work crazy before it needs them. So if you continuously are feeding your body adrenaline or other things, then your body's going to crave them. And when you first stopped, uh, first change that, then it's going to seek out ways to stimulate these uh, chemicals, whether it's with uh, music or TV shows or certain people you hang around that triggers these emotions. But your body gets to be where it needs to crave them. And so we've got to be very careful of what we condition our minds to think, or of how we condition our minds to think. It's, it's very critical for us. Uh, we've got to be careful to always be positive, no matter what is going on in our lives or what we find our situation uh, in. <clears throat> Thinking of negative thoughts like a fire. If you have a big bonfire out there, you don't want to throw more negative thoughts onto it. That just makes it worse. But no, you extinguish it with good, wholesome thinking. With thinking uh, of positive things like that. If you think back to Acts chapter 16. You've got Paul and Silas been beaten, bloodied, put in the middle of a prison. No light, cold, and sewage chained up to their waist. If anybody ever had a reason or a right to think negative thoughts, it's Paul and Silas. But they didn't let their minds go there. They kept a positive thoughts and positive attitude. And we find them singing songs of praise and glory to God where they were happy. They were happy because that was the situation that God had given them that day. Uh, even Jesus himself warns us about being lazy and complacent with our thought life. In Matthew uh, 12 and 33, Jesus says, Either make the tree sound that is healthy and good, and its fruits uh, sound healthy and good, or make the tree rotten, diseased and bad, and its fruit diseased and bad. For the tree is known and recognized and judged by its fruit. God says the tree is known by its fruit, and the same is for a Christian too. Uh, our lives are judged by the, or can be determined by the fruit we bear. Think good thoughts, good fruit will sprout up. Think bad, negative thoughts, bad fruit will come up. You can look at a person's attitude and know exactly what kind of prevalent thinking is in that person's mindset. A sweet, kind, gentle person doesn't go around keeping his mind and thinking all the time about mean, vindictive thoughts. 
The same way a rude, angry uh, person doesn't go around thinking good, gentle thoughts all the time. We've got to control these thoughts because these cause the fruit to uh, pop up in our lives. But how can we go about changing a lifetime of negative, bad thinking, wrong thinking, and habits? How do we escape these strongholds, these strong towers? Well, one step at a time, or rather, one thought of a time. Little by little. Deuteronomy 7.22 And the Lord your God will clear out those nations before you little by little so that you may not consume them too quickly. The renewing of our mind and overcoming these strong towers will take time. It's a slow process. Don't get discouraged or down on yourself because the devil will fight you for every inch of ground. So don't get discouraged. Psalms 42 and 5 says, Why are you so cast down, O my inner self, my mind, my heart? Why should you moan over me and disquieting within me? Hope in God, wait expectantly for Him, for I shall yet praise Him, my help and my God. <clears throat> Remember, God takes His time. But let endurance and steadfastness and patience have full play and do a thorough work so that you may be people perfectly and fully developed with no defects, lacking nothing. James 1 and 4. Again in Philippians 1 and 6, And I am convinced and sure of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will continue until the day Jesus Christ, right up to the time of his return, developing that good work and perfecting and bringing it to full completion in you. Again in Philippians 2, 13, Not in your own strength, for it is God who is all the, whole, all the while effectively at work in you, Energized and creating in you the power and desire both to will and to work for his good pleasure and satisfaction and delight. First Peter 5 and 10. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who imparts all blessings and favors, who has called you to his own eternal glory in Jesus Christ, will himself complete and make you what you ought to be. He will establish and ground you securely and strengthen and settle you. Remember, God is delivering you little by little. Don't be discouraged and don't feel condemned if you make a mistake every now and then. You've got to be patient with yourself. And know know that we've got to stay positive. The Bible tells us, Matthew 8, 13, it shall be done for you as you have believed. A positive mind produces a positive life. A negative mind, a negative life. Positive thoughts are always full of hope. They're full of faith. Uh, Negative ones are always full of fear and doubt. A great many people are afraid to hope because of past letdowns and hurts. And so they they refuse to even hope again so that they are not disappointed. How very sad. An awful way of living this is. It's, It's not a life. That's an existence. We can't allow ourselves to fall into this trap of the devil. Remember, Matthew 8, Jesus said, As you believe, it will be done to you. If everything that you allow yourself to think of, if everything that you believe will happen is negative, then naturally, a great deal of many things that happen to you are going to be negative. And no, being positive doesn't mean that we always get what we want in life. God has a perfect plan for each of us. And we can't control what uh, that that plan is. But we must think and speak in agreement with His will and plans for us. Romans 8, 28, which we looked at earlier, says, We are assured and know that God, being a partner in their labor, 
all things work together and are fitting into a plan. For God to and for those who love God and are called according to His design and purpose. The scripture doesn't say that all things are good. Not everything that's going to happen in our life is good. Not while we're living here on this earth. But God promises that all things will work together for our good. So what might this look like? Well, getting up in the morning, going on a hunting trip, car doesn't start. You've been waiting weeks and weeks. You've planned your vacation around this. Everything's hitching on this, and the car won't start. Well, you got two ways of looking at it and thinking about that. You can get mad and throw a fit. Well, nothing ever goes my way. Somebody's going to get that big buck I've been chasing all year and just let it ruin your entire day. Or you can think of it in a positive light. Hey, God has something else in store for me today. Maybe if I went hunting, I'd have fell out of stand, I'd have got hurt. Maybe God's telling me I need to go spend some more time with my family. Whatever it is, God has got a plan for us and He's causing it to work out for our good. Amore fate. I love it. <clears throat> Whatever is happening for me is the best possible thing that can happen to me. We've got to keep this in mind and every time something negative happens and you're, and you're tempted to go off about it or get down about it, remember that phrase, amore fate. I love it. It's what needs to happen for me. Next time you're running for late and you get stuck behind a tractor going to work, amore fate. I love it. God's given me this beautiful Jew and time to enjoy it. <clears throat> if I hadn't been slowed down, I might have wrecked, got a speeding ticket. Or, hey, somebody might have come flying around the curve and hit this guy on the tractor. I'm here to save this guy's life. Whatever is going on is exactly what's supposed to go on. Amore fate. I love it. <clears throat> and that will help you keep a positive mindset. <clears throat> Remind yourself to stay flexible, to be easygoing. The Bible tells us in Romans 12 and 16, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, snobbish, high-minded, exclusive but readily adjust yourself to people and to things and give yourselves to humble tasks. Never overestimate yourself and be wise in your own conceit. If you truly want to know the spiritual condition of someone, if you truly want to know someone's thought life, then watch them when things go wrong, when the plans that they made fall apart. When this happens, would you say that you act more godly or more like the enemy? We've got to be on guard with our thought life and how we choose to react to things. <clears throat> we have two choices. A positive person will adjust themselves to the situations and go ahead and decide to enjoy whatever the situation is. This is the day, this is the situation that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And a negative person in the first place is never fun to be with anyway. They never really enjoy anything. But when something amiss happens to their plans and upsets them, it ruins their whole day. And they not only usually let it ruin their day, but everybody else's day around them because they've got to, you know, just to go on and on about it, no matter how things go. <clears throat> but there is a cure for negativism, for being negative all the time. And freedom begins when we face the problem without making any excuses for it. Own up to it and decide to change starting right now. Remember God's promise to you as a Christian is that you are a new creation, a new person. Christ has set you free. Therefore, if any person is engrafted into Christ the Messiah, he is a new creature, a new creature altogether. The old, previous, moral, and spiritual condition has been passed away and done away with. Behold, the fresh and new has come. 2 Corinthians 5.17 you don't have to allow the old things that happen to you to keep affecting your life in Christ. You are a new creature, a new life in Christ, and you have a new mind, a renewed mind according to God's Word. 
But the first step is always the hardest. However, I'm telling you nothing but the truth when I say that it is profitable, that it is good, expedient, and advantageous for you that I go away. Because if I do not go away, the comforter, the counselor, the helper, the advocate, the intercessor, the strengthener will not come to you and to the close fellowship with you. But if I go away, I will send him to be in close fellowship with you. And when he comes, he will convict and convince the world and bring demonstration to it about sin and about the righteousness, uprighteousness of heart and right standing with God about and about judgment. <clears throat> the hardest part of being set free from negativity is facing the truth and saying, I'm a negative person, but I want to change. I know I can't do it on my own, but I believe God will help me change and I trust in him to do so. And God who has began a good work in me will bring it to full completions. Remember Philippians 1 and 6. Being a positive person doesn't mean bad things and difficult situations will never come your way. But being a positive person means you don't let those situations control you. Make those situations worse and ruin your day. The Bible tells us, <clears throat> very plainly, it says, all the days of desponding, that is the negative, depressed, discouraged, and afflicted are made evil by negative, anxious thoughts and evil forebodings. But he who is a glad heart that is a positive mindset has a continual feast regardless of the circumstances, regardless of what's going on. You don't make a situation worse by speaking negativity into your life. The Bible tells us, 1 Peter 3.10, For let him who wants to enjoy life and see good days, good whether apparent or not, it is good whether it looks the way or not, Keep his tongue from, from uh, evil, from negativity, and his lips from God. No matter what you are going on, uh, going through, remember God's promise that he will cause all things, all situations, all circumstances to work for your good of those who love and trust him. Philippians 4, 6. Do not fret or have anxiety about anything, but in every circumstance and in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, with a positive attitude and positive mindset, continue to make your wants known to God. And God's peace shall be yours. That is that tranquil state of soul of the salvation through Christ. And so fearing nothing from God and being content with whatever earthly lot of whatever sort that is, that peace which, which transcends all understanding shall garrison and mount guard over your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The choice is ours. Deuteronomy 30 and 19 says, I call heaven and earth to witness this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, the blessings and the curses. Therefore, choose life that you and your descendants may live. We have thousands of thoughts that run through our minds each and every day. We must take ownership of each and every thought and cast down those that spring up that go against God. Hard certainly, but not impossible. We can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens and supplies us. Reprogramming our minds will take time. It won't just happen overnight. It's a journey, but one well worth the struggle. Just keep putting one foot in front of the other one mile at a time. And turn and take possession. The Lord our God said, has said to us in horror, You have dwelt long enough on this mountain. Turn, take up your journey, and go to the hill country of the Amorites. 
Behold, I have set the land there before you. Go in and take possession of the land that the Lord has sworn to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give to them, to their descendants, after them. The Israelites spent 40 years making an 11-day journey because they had this wilderness mindset, this wilderness mentality. They stayed in the wilderness too long. Wrong thinking keeps people in the wilderness. Wrong thinking will keep you in bondage. Don't let wrong thinking keep you in bondage any longer. Decide right here and now to start to tear down these strong towers Satan has set up in your hearts and in your minds. Take that all-important first step out of the pew and come to Jesus for healing and freedom for whatever is holding you in bondage and keeping you from the promised land. Aren't you tired of always living a defeated life, a living a life of negativity? That's not the life Jesus intended for us to have. Jesus says, I have come that you have, may have life and that you may have it abundantly. Overflowing, positive, energetic, joyful life. Haven't you dwelt in captivity long enough yet? If so, then come to the prison shaking Savior. Come to Jesus, whatever the need may be, and let him set you free. Once you come now, together we stand and sing. Why do you wait, dear brother? Oh, why do you carry so long? Your Savior is waiting to give you a blessed and sanctified throne. Why not? Why not? Why not come to Him now? Why?
<laughs> thank you, Ben, for an excellent job and so many good things to think about there. I was 